Welcome to the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, where I dive in deeper into holistic health and fitness topics that will help you stay inspired, motivated, and dedicated to living a purposeful fit life while pursuing for the Akhirah. Hey, Assalamu Alaikum and welcome to episode number 22 with Coach Ola. Today we have Martin, who is a vitality coach who focuses on creating mentally, spiritually, socially, and physically stronger and resilient Muslims with his company, Muslim Fit. With his background as a nurse and a thesis, he sees the importance for a scientific and evidence-based approach, and he wants to bring balance in a health industry filled with the gurus and pseudo-scientific work. In a today's episode, we're going to talk about how Muslim Fit came together and since we are in the last 10 nights of Ramadan, how to finish it off strong, inshallah, and how to pick up that momentum after Ramadan and much more. So let's welcome Martin. Hey, Salaam alaikum, Martin. Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you for coming on. So please tell us about Muslim Fit and how it all came together. Yeah, well, uh, I started Muslim Fit like three years ago. And initially, if I take, uh, talk a little bit about my background, I was a competitive bodybuilder before I converted in Islam, to Islam. So when I started off, my whole life was focused a lot on physical development, the way you look and the way you perform. When I converted to Islam, of course, the, the, the competitive side of bodybuilding, being in your underwear on the stage, wasn't uh, applicable for me anymore. So I came in a situation that I had to rediscover my relationship with, with sports, uh, the way I enjoy it, the goals that I strive for. So... When we first started out, it was really like Muslim fitness. I still really focused on strength training and the such. But especially on my professional career, I studied anesthesia as an anesthesia nurse. And when I worked in the hospital during my internships, I saw so many people being on my operation table unnecessarily. Like so many things they had and had to uh, need to get surgery for were pre- preventable and very often quite easily, at least the steps to take to prevent such illnesses are pretty easy. So my my relationship with sports started to change, but also my relationship with how I looked at healthcare and my personal individual health as well. So throughout the years, I started to develop more of an interest in a broader look at health. So not only how strong are you, how muscular are you, or are you sick or not, but also, yeah, a more broader look at health. Uh, are you mentally well? The, besides the part how you look, are you so happy with the way you look? Are you happy with the way you perform? Because you see in this society, especially with social media and especially in the fitness world, fitness world, you get a lot of unhealthy relationships with the way you look, the way you perform, and the way you prevent yourself. At the time that we're trying to be perceived as somebody who is trying to get healthy, so trying to get healthy brings a lot of unhealthy mental, social, and also physical parts with it. So that's why I started Muslim Fit, because I wanted to give an alternative. Uh, on the one side, giving getting the, the health swear into an Islamic frame, framework. So trying to align the goals of somebody on this physical and mental and, and social journey to align with the goals of life that Islam prescribes, uh, in the hope that if you follow the fitra, the sharia, that all those unhealthy side effects of modern day can be fought. And on the other side, I saw that there was a lot of bad advice being given online. A lot of people claiming to not just 
at first you have a lot of people who don't back their theories at all. So they just say something if you say why it's it's, it's my experience or I think it's its way and I don't know why. A lot of side also have a very big group who claim to be science science driven, but they often just uh, cherry pick one or two studies who that confirm their claims and neglecting uh, neglecting the broader literature. So the real goal of Muslim Fit is at first trying to realign Muslims with the goal in life and. Uh, don't make your physical and, and, and mental goals clash with Islam. And on the other side, giving proper information that isn't harmful or unnecessary strict. I love that. And I heard your interview on another podcast. And I have a huge respect for when you talked about bodybuilding and you yourself. Like, I, I just respected how you mentioned in Islam, like with bodybuilding and especially from a guy to hear that. That we're, even guys shouldn't be showing too much of their pictures and all that stuff. So I just want to hear more on your perspective on how did you find, like, how were you able to stay strong, especially as a guy? Because, you know, women, like, we have, especially with hijab, like, we have to cover. But with guys, a lot of guys get away with it. Like, oh, I'm a guy, it's fine. But you're, you still, like, maintain it. So do you mind if you can dive into it a little bit more? Yeah, sure, no problem. I think that's the... The good thing and the fun thing about being a convert, because uh, you enter Islam, especially me, because before I came to Islam, I barely knew any Muslims. I knew two, so I wasn't really, I was not yet. I don't know the English word. I didn't know the the Islamic context, Islamic culture, and right. uh, I wasn't brought up in that way. So a lot of the things that normal Muslims perceive as normal, because they, they never seen different. You have a very different perspective as a convert. So, oftentimes I see myself looking at the Sharia and especially looking at the goals that it tries to perceive to reach. And then you see really funny things because, for example, as you said, I all, so many times I have so many guys complaining or saying like, I, when I want a wife, I want her to have an hijab, wear skirts, and all the likes. But on the same hand, the guy always walks around in a tank top, doesn't have a beard post six-pack photos of himself social media and, and not in the way that i'm judging because everybody's on his own level and that's fine and there should be room for somebody to go to allah on his own pace but as a convert somebody out of the normal culture context out of the out of the culture it seems so strange like how can you and i don't want to sound like a white knight but it's just my <laughs> my 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 logic didn't work like that. how can you demand for your wife to be fully dressed and you don't even have a beard or don't dress modestly. Just found it funny, you know? So yeah, it, it's. I think that's, that's a unique perspective you have as a convert if you're not really known and not brought up as a Muslim, that a lot of things that sound normal and people don't have a second thought about, at the first glance, you look through it and see the, the contradictions in the way some Muslims behave. Yes, I. that's why I'm happy that you mentioned that. And by the way, your English is perfectly fine and very great so tell us where you're actually from and what language do you actually speak if you don't mind <laughs> yeah yeah i'm uh, from rotterdam it's a city near the netherlands most people know the netherlands from amsterdam it's uh they made the capital and uh, it's known for uh we also called in holland we call it Amsterdam. <laughs> so yeah in holland we speak dutch it's not german it sounds a little bit alike alhamdulillah if you look at holland we have uh two big groups of Muslims. We have the Moroccans and the Turkish. So alhamdulillah, we have a good mix of different cultures and uh, Islam is really spreading here quite fast. Also on the, 
uh, with the, the, the native Dutch people. So uh, alhamdulillah. That's awesome. Inshallah, I can visit. I'm like, I love, especially like Europe has so many nice countries. So inshallah, one day. But yeah, back to the topic about halal haram and like how you found it. It's, it's really interesting. And, and it's true because a lot of times we demand and then we don't look at our own selves. And it's important to like, as you said, everyone is on their own path with their own relationship with Allah Taala, And that's why it's important to stay focused on ourselves before other people. So since we are in the last few days of Ramadan, what do you recommend for people to focus on during the last days besides our prayers? Yeah, well, of course, we all know the, the, the stories and the ahadith about the last 10 days and their merit. So I think, especially in the last 10 days, we should really focus on our spiritual, uh, spiritual training, our spiritual health. I'm always really for a balanced lifestyle, but in Ramadan, especially in the last days, 10 days, that balance goes away. And we should really dive into the spiritual part. On the other side, that doesn't mean we have to neglect our worldly tasks, work, but also our training. So focus on the spiritual, but on the other hand, try to maintain what you've done in the rest of the year. Your, your your sports performance and on the other side focus on healthy habits to fully fully benefit of those last 10 days because if you mess up uh, and it's difficult because yeah the last 10 days are the last days so some people are already exhausted or maybe their motivation went down a little bit because of the time so at last uh, especially those last 10 days are so important to be really strict on our diet our sleep and our exercise to be energized and fully able to enjoy those last 10 days. Inshallah. And so during Ramadan, how do you usually work out and how do you manage your sleep with it as well? Yeah, good question. In the last 10 days, I normally turn down my training volume and frequency a lot. because or, or some, d- Depends on the year and how busy I am with my work. But the last 10 days, I don't really care that much about my training. Because if you look at the lit- scientific literature... You really need very little training stimulus to maintain previously attained muscle muscle mass and, and cardiovascular health and such. So, but it depends on how the rest of your Ramadan went because you can easily stay away from the gym for one or two weeks without really having a big impact on your performance and your physical composition. But it depends if you've been slacking around the first part of Ramadan, then that away, the time away from the gym has been getting a lot bigger. So you might be necessary to at least train a little bit during uh, the last 10 days. So when I train uh, during the last 10 days, I normally do full body workouts. It depends on what, what goals are you are striving for. I still like my strength training and my uh, training for muscle mass, but on the other hand, if you want to do cardiovascular work or it doesn't matter, but just keep the training short, but keep the intensity high. We've seen in the literature, if you just do one set to failure, it, it was st- studies done in professional athletes, so let alone in just our simple amateur athletes. If you just do one set to failure, that's enough stimulus to go by and not lose anything. So th- I think the main focus should be on just maintaining and not losing, but also not progressing, because the, those last 10 days are so valuable, and 10 days in 365 days of the year are so short. I think it's more than worth it to just only focus on those last 10 days. So if you haven't been training, pick up a little bit. And if you've been sticking to your gym program very well during Ramadan, you can 
don't work out or very minimally. So maybe one or two times in those 10 days. Inshallah. And do you usually stay up all night? Because I struggle with staying up all night and then going with life <laughs> during the yeah. day. Alhamdulillah, it depends. Like I said, that's like what I want to say is that health and the way you build up your lifestyle to maintain that health is very individual. For example, when I did my internships, I worked five days five days in the hospital, and I had, a side, and I had my, my side job to pay my rent because I got paid very little doing my internships. And I worked in the weekends, so I worked seven days a, seven days a week during Ramadan. So yeah, then I just went to the mosque, prayed to Raka'at of Tawa, went home and, and got my sleep. And alhamdulillah, now when I graduated, I have a little bit more balanced work-life uh, life. I tend to, I still sleep for like one one and a half hour, hours at night after Taraweh. But I think I'm planning to stay up uh, during the last 10 days. Inshallah. And how do you, what's your usual like iftar suhoor like? And how do you maintain that energy also with your nutrition part? Yeah, well, I'll have to keep repeating myself. It's, it's very individual. It really depends on yeah what kind of athlete you are. Do you just work out because you like it and you're not really advanced or are you a very advanced uh, athlete or maybe even a competitive athlete in a certain sport so it really or maybe you don't work out at all it's also possible so it really depends on what your physical development level is what your goals are so currently what i do i'm quite a, a, a tall guy i'm 6'4 and uh i'm 90 95 kilos don't ask me how, how many pounds it is but i need to eat quite a lot of calories to maintain my weight so my iftar and suhoor might differ from a normal <laughs> normal people so uh, normally what i do with iftar uh, it's a good advice for everybody who needs to consume a rather much calories uh, to maintain body weight and performance because you want to eat a lot at night and you don't want to get negatively inflected during prayer and such you don't want to feel sluggish or not energetic but also you need to want to get your calories in at the start, I try to eat, I get my carbs and my protein, and I want to look at two parts. I want to have very little fat and very little fiber, because those two nutritions both slow down your metabolism, and it, it increases your satiety. So you don't want to be filled up, have, feeling full, and being actually full for a long time, because you want to have a proper meal at Sahur. So... A typical iftar could be like white rice or not whole grain pasta or just bread with a, with a lean protein source like eggs with a, without the yolk, chicken, mostly chicken at my, in my case. So when I break my fast, I often like take a protein shake, some dates, then I pray my maghrib, just wait a few minutes and then I get my first meal in. And that's most of the times it's just rice with chicken. And at this meal... Because that's why I say health is very individual. We all know that vegetables are really healthy for you. But in my case, at this time of the night, I prefer to not eat any vegetables because they often contain a lot of fiber. And I don't want to be really full. And I want my food to be past my uh, digestion tract quite rather fast. So just chicken, some flavor, maybe a sauce or just some uh, herbs and rice. Then during Taraway, I always take a protein shake with me with some dates, or I throw a little bit of ground rice or ground oats in my shake, and I drink that during Taraway and when I walk home. And then at Sahur, I do the opposite. 
I try to get a lot of fiber in and a lot of fat because, like I said, those slow down your metabolism. So, and it increases your satiety. So that means that the nutrients you get in a tahur are being uh, released at a slower rate uh, during the day. So you've, you will be getting your flow of vitamins, fats and carbs and protein later in the day than if you don't consume those fibers and fats. And on the other side, your satiety is higher, so you will have less hunger during the day. So basically, at the beginning of iftar, uh, a lot of carbs, but low in fat and low on fiber. And with sahur, because I need a lot of carbs, I still eat a lot of carbs, but higher fat and more fiber. That's awesome. And it's so important to really have healthy fats, like you mentioned, especially the last 10 nights. It- we're like so tired, but then we're like halfway there. So it's important to keep up with the proteins and the healthy fats, of course, with the carbs. So I know we talked about the importance of taking care of our body and your story about bodybuilding. And we talked about this before you came on, the concept of body of Jannah. And I know you found it interesting as well. So can we go back to it one more time and remind our listeners on why it's important to not just care about the physical outlook of the body, but more of having the body of Jannah that it's how you use your body to serve Ta'ala and the world around you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, it's really easy. The way you look doesn't matter much. If what I see a lot with people that we, especially when we have very little knowledge of the context from within Islam came up, the time of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and, uh, and also the context of all the scholars we read about is we tend to put all the hadiths we hear and all the sayings of the scholars we, we read, we, try to, we often put them in our own context. We see them throughout our modern lens. So uh, when we read like Allah's beauty and he loves beauty, it's, of course it's, and it's, it's promoted in Islam to look after your health and to look after the way you look. But what what does it mean? What's the context? You know, is it the way you look like it's being perceived now in the Western context? Like you have to be ripped, muscular, and for the ladies, very skinny. And it's funny because we all know that yeah. often the guys in the magazines use steroids, and the woman, and also the the man and the most women are photoshopped in the tabloids. So Islam is not necessarily promoting those kinds of. Yeah, the way we view beauty, it's really context, culture, and history dependent. So, like I said also in the in other podcasts, if you really want to have a functional body, you can better pick up, I don't know, with it, uh, pick up martial arts, because let's be honest, you can look very big and impressive, but I know out of experience, if somebody knows wrestling skills, you're on the ground with quite, uh, quite easy, so... Just looking at health as being, uh, as looking good is really short-sighted. And a good example is when I did my competitions, I looked the best on stage, but I felt the worst because my sickness resistance was very low. You're really, you're starving yourself, basically. So if that's your pinnacle of looking healthy, people really don't know what they're talking about because a bodybuilder or a fitness model in his prime when he's doing his photo shoot is often on his worst in performance, physical performance, but also the way you feel, you feel really lethargic. It's like 10 times worse than fasting. <laughs> so I think it's really important to drop that notion of health is looking like a fitness model. And health is more, like I look at health, is being able 
to resist all the, the, the tribulations you see in life. Like if you're, you're healthy when you're able to fast, you're not healthy when you are able to deadlift a thousand pounds. It's so true. And like, I remember my days when I cared like a lot of, about my looks, but then like mentally I wasn't feeling anymore. So what's the point of like looking good if you're not mentally strong? And it's all connected. So very, very good. So then after Ramadan, how do you pick up your momentum with your workouts? And before you even get into that question, what is your typical workout like on a daily basis, whether it's during Ramadan or before Ramadan? Okay, yeah. Well, my training varies a lot at the moment. And that's because my my goals have changed changed a lot from my bodybuilding days. Because when I was bodybuilding, it was really specific for one goal. And you have a goal, training specificity is really important. Because if you're going to get really big, it's not very productive to take up jogging or long-distance cycling. But at the moment, because the physical part of training doesn't really interest me that much. It's still, of course, I still like to look good. But the older I get maybe wiser i don't know <laughs> the less i care about being very very muscular so my training varies a lot and i just do what i like so at the moment i do a lot of bodyweight training gymnastic rings not because it's superior because but just because i find it fun it's challenging for me it's something i never did and i i'm a beginner again so that's really fun and also a year ago i picked up cycling road cycling so my training varies a lot now so basically Outside of Ramadan, I train at least five times a week. Most of the time, it's like two days of cycling and three to four days doing strength training. And most of the time, it's a combination of ring training, gymnastic ring training, and uh, just using weights. So yeah, how did how it changes during Ramadan? I do quit my endurance training during Ramadan because uh, I like cycling, but my my endurance performance isn't really important to me. The downside of, of endurance training is that it burns a lot of calories. Like if I do a cycling training, I cycle for like a, a, an hour, hour and a half. I easily burn a thousand calories. So when I want to get my calorie target during Ramadan while doing endurance training, this would be really tough. So because endurance, I like it a lot, but my performance isn't really important to me. I just quit it to save up a lot of calories. So during Ramadan, I solely do strength training because it's shorter and it burns less calories. After Ramadan, yeah, the thing is, it's, it's also because my advice isn't always that handy if I take it on my personal level because I just enjoy training. And that's that's the thing that people need to understand that we often look at people who train a lot and like, oh, mashallah, they're so dedicated. They have so much discipline. And also, I always love to train in the morning, like seven o'clock. And I recently had a friend of mine who said, oh, mashallah, I'm so inspired because you're so disciplined. I also want to work out in the morning. How do you do it? And I just said, bro, it, it, it doesn't have to do anything with discipline because I love it. I like it. It's the same like my wife doesn't need discipline to go shopping. <laughs> it comes natural. So that's that's the thing that we have to look out for is that we don't put every athlete on a pedestal because often they're just doing what they like. It's it's sometimes it has very little to do with discipline. They don't have to motivate themselves because they're internally motivated. And it doesn't make them better or worse because like I gave for example, how much for use are you for society if you are a bodybuilder? You're very little use. You can be better be a lawyer or a, or a doctor or such. So yeah, my personal struggle isn't with 
picking up my workout again because it's something I love and something that comes natural to me. And that's my advice I always give to my clients because I'm special as a trainer, I'm specialized in weight training. But if I have a client who I'm working with for vitality coaching and he doesn't like weight, weight training, I prefer him to pick up soccer or cycling or even go to another coach who specializes in another type of training. Because if you do something that you like, the chances that you keep it up are much bigger than doing something that's in theory the most effective, but maybe not the most enjoyable. And the only thing that works is the thing that you stick with. So try to do things you like and inshallah then you will reap the benefits. Inshallah, so how did you go from bodybuilding, which is obviously lots of lifting and all that, to change your workout? Did it feel different for you or the transition? How was that? Yeah, it's been really slow because, like I said, uh, bodybuilding was a really real big part of my life. At the moment, it was the biggest. Bodybuilding was my life before I became Muslim. So it was actually quite hard because there was a point that, yeah, my, my the things I valued in life things I find important started to change but it always goes gradually so sometimes you're at a point that you're 50-50 like uh, I still love bodybuilding but I don't find it important so there was actually a time and I never quit training I always trained at least three times a week but my motivation and my enjoyment varied a lot and it was because at sometimes I was doing I was having a very strict bodybuilding regimen but on the same hand deep down inside and maybe I didn't even consciously realize it I didn't find it that important anymore and I see that with a lot of people that they follow a certain training regimen because they saw on the internet that this is supposed to be good but because they lack knowledge they just follow people who have very different ambitions very different goals and things they value in life so I was doing things that I knew from my previous background as a bodybuilder that were good in a bodybuilding sense, but when I lost my motivation for bodybuilding, I found it really, really difficult to keep up with the strict regimen. But because I was so, I didn't know better. I didn't know better that this was something was that was good. And if I did something else, it was less or even bad. I started feeling really bad that I couldn't keep up with the things I did in the past, and I was really confused. Like, how did this happen? Why, where did my motivation go? And it came with a gradual re- realization that. If I don't care as much about being very, very big, it's okay to train in a less efficient way, in a less ideal way. And that was really hard for me to accept because I was so you're constantly getting told that you have to train in the optimal way. Every every personal trainer or health guru always brands himself like, I have the most optimal way of training, the most optimal way of nutrition. But if your, if your goals aren't very extreme, and you don't want to become a professional athlete, you really don't need extreme or even optimal training. I often say to my clients, if I like, if I, I have a few uh, physicians as clients and they're very busy, work long, long hours, and they just want to be healthy, I'm content when they just walk, just walk uh, two or three times a day, uh, a week with their wife, just a nice hiking trip. It's fine. You don't have to be a bodybuilder to be healthy, like I said before. So, a really big change for me was accepting that I wasn't going to train you know, in a theoretical, optimal way and just train in a way I liked. So I think that this can be a, a valuable lesson for a lot of people who, be, who were previously really obsessed with a certain goal and then move away from it. Everybody has to, at some point, accept that 
sometimes it's okay to do, to do just something that's maybe not even efficient, but it's enjoyable. That's so true. And, you know, I can relate to you, even though I'm not a, I wasn't like a bodybuilder per se, but I used to lift a lot. I got really into the whole no gain, no pain mentality. So I pushed myself to my limits. Then I went obviously downhill and then away from fitness. And then when I came back to it, I came back to it from the resistance training, outdoors mentality. So it's okay to like go up and down and you can always change what you like. And that's why it's important to remind our listeners that, hey, you don't have to stick to a certain routine through your entire life. It can change as you grow. So after Ramadan, then how do you pick up your momentum with your workouts and lifestyle? Yeah. Well, like I said before, training, it isn't a problem for me because <laughs> I'm also often really excited to uh, pick up my uh, frequency and volume again. The only thing I find difficult to, difficult to it is my sleeping routine because I'm a very sensitive sleeper. Not so much that I, I fall asleep very easily, but my sleep, sleep quality differs a lot. So sometimes when I'm in a good rhythm, I go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time for a long period, and I like sleep like six hours. I'm totally rested. And when I'm really imbalanced, have night shifts and such, and I sleep for like eight or nine hours, I still wake up tired. So I do find that after Ramadan, I have to take a while to readjust to normal life. And that is that's a part of me that I need a lot of discipline with because before Ramadan, I always, because it's quite funny, if you look at the literature on uh, performance in athletes, but also just in the normal population, you see that in the first week, you see a huge dip in performance and uh, their mood goes down. They feel much more tired, sluggish, and their physical performance goes down. And most researchers uh, find out that it's because you would say that the longer Ramadan takes, the bigger you get, the more you get exhausted. But we see that the first the first week of Ramadan, your performance goes down, and it normalizes in the second, third, and fourth week. So it comes down that it basically it's just a getting used to a different shift in sleeping patterns, in feeding patterns, in moving patterns that shocks the body a lot. So before Ramadan, I also always prepare my sleeping schedule. So like a month before Ramadan, I start staying up later, working, waking up earlier and doing naps after I get home to work. So after Ramadan, I have to slowly get out of the rhythm again because I'm not planning to, yeah, play a prayer tarawih as long. And especially in the Netherlands, that our summer and winter prayer times vary a lot. Isha is now like at 11 at night. And in the winter, it can be like six at night, 6 p.m. So inshallah, when the days get shorter, my sleeping cycle gets normal again. And the discipline is that when you're not sleepy at a certain time, like, uh, for example, I want to go to sleep directly after Isha, and it's like 10.30. Because I'm not tired, it's really it's really hard to uh, look at your sleep hygiene. So, because if I have trouble sleeping, I have to I want to quit looking at screens, computer screens and phone screens a lot. So I try to put down my phone uh, at least 30 minutes before I want to go to sleep. So when I want to get big, back in a normal rhythm, it's really hard for me to quit the entertainment. So quit watching YouTube videos and such before I want to go to sleep because if I want to change my sleeping cycle, I really need to unwind and get in a dark space and get my mind at ease. So that's the difficult part after Ramadan is just getting my sleep back again. That's so true. And I was going to ask you, how long is your fasting time and non-fasting in your country? Yeah, so at the moment, I'll get to prayer times. We're fasting. Our Fajr is at 3.20 a.m. 
And wow. uh, Maghrib is at quarter past nine. And that's not even the, the longest because uh, every year, I think the longest was like three o'clock in the morning and then 10 at night. So Alhamdulillah, our prayer times here in Holland are pretty long in the in the summer. But the good thing is because I converted when Ramadan was in the summer. So uh, I my first Ramadan was also the hardest one you can get <laughs> in Holland. So Alhamdulillah, uh, it only gets easier for me every year now. So Alhamdulillah, I, I started with a good one. <laughs> so uh, Alhamdulillah, it only gets easier for me. Alhamdulillah, yeah, of course. Like as it, I think a lot of Muslims, it gets easier for all of us. But it's always important to stay strong after Ramadan. So the next time that it comes around, we are ready again, inshallah. And is there anything that you sh- I should have asked that I didn't ask that, or that you want to mention? No, I think we covered a lot of the crucial things to stay healthy and uh, energized during the last 10 days, inshallah. Inshallah. So where can we stay in contact with you? Yeah, well, on my social media, you can look me up. Just look for Muslim Fit on Instagram or Facebook. There's also a guy who uses the same name, but he's French. And I use my all my communication in English. So if you see a French guy, it's not me; it's a different guy. And inshallah, my website will go online. If you, the time this podcast goes, comes out, my site will definitely be online, and this will be www.muslimfit.com. And you can read all my articles and uh, my further uh, guest appearances on podcasts. Inshallah. Inshallah. So I'll have it in the show notes. Jazakallah khair. Thank you so much, and have a blessed Ramadan and Eid Mubarak. Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe today and leave a five-star review. You can also screenshot and share this episode with a family or a friend. Be strong, be fit, be fit for Akhirah.